0: And welcome to Paws Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm Katie B. Taylor. This week, we're presenting part two of two episodes talking with Marks and Julie from the Genretainment podcast. This was so fun, and we're just going to get right to it. But be sure to listen to last week's episode first to get context for the rest of this conversation.
1: So, other other stuff that you've been binging during this time, have you been consuming totally different genres than urban fantasy and? and yeah, well, fantasy? I
2: I'm behind because the last two weeks we've been watching Supernatural. <laughs> 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 but I, I wasn't as much into the Christmas stuff. But I love the on Hallmark's movies and mysteries. I love the mystery mm-hmm. series of movies. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them, basically. (laughs) And I've got two of them recorded from the last two Sundays. One was the Crossword, and one was the Chronicle Mysteries, and the other was Crossword Mysteries. And so I've got those in the queue to watch. And Mark's actually will watch those. And I mean, I read mostly either straight cozy mysteries or cozy mysteries that have like a supernatural element, like witches or something, Mm -hmm. or cozy mysteries with like cats in it, you know, and... (laughs) And stuff. I mean, sometimes they're just like regular cats, and other times like the animals are talking and, and doing stuff. You know. Yeah.
3: I only read really cozy mysteries with peacocks in them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's one I like has a dog and a cat, but they're just a dog and a cat. They're not really oh, anything. Don't talk and there's another one with a, with dogs and cats and stuff that they talk and help their humans. You know, the human I'm as really as shocked.
3: Tallmark doesn't have a talking cat cozy mystery yet i'm That's telling stress. you they
2: are missing out it's,
3: it's an untapped market and <laughs> someone
2: needs to make some with bunnies is all i can say Aww, that
0: would be cute bunnies
2: are underrated
0: <laughs> so with the the hallmark mysteries i haven't watched a ton i'm more into the christmas movies
2: <laughs> well but. i i'm usually into the christmas the last two seasons i haven't been quite as much mm-hmm but I do sometimes watch The Christmas, and I do like some of the romance ones. And Mark laughs at me because I'm like, oh, no, it's like 15 minutes at the end. when It's all going to fall apart. Yeah. And then they got the next 15 minutes to put it all back together. And then it ends with a kiss, and they're happily ever after. And he's like, it's the same thing over and over. I'm like, yes, so you can sit back and enjoy the ride. Exactly. Yeah, my
0: mom says the same thing. She's like, this is exactly like the movie that you watched last week. And I'm like, yes, I know. No, That's why not. I'm watching it. But... <laughs>
2: It's like, cause you, you know, the formula, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to worry about somebody getting beaten or, or raped or no it. They're not going to go, Oh no, at the end, they're all alone. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but- you know, you're going to be able to sit back and enjoy the ride. Exactly. Yeah. You, you get me, you get me.
0: Yes. But <laughs> I was going to ask, I think some of the mysteries on that, Network are based on books, so have you read? Oh yeah, yeah. Have you read the source material for those?
2: I've kind of deliberately not because as long as they're putting out movies, okay, I want to just watch the movies. But probably if when they get to the point they're not going to have, you know, if they get to the end of the line on a series, Mm -hmm. I'll probably go back and read the books. Okay, but I have such a a history of when I read the books, then disliking the visual interpretation a little bit, you know, so.
3: It's rare that TV show or movies better than the books. Yeah, it's
2: right. rare. So I I have the series I like to read, and then I watch those, and then I figure once they stop at the end of the line of one, I might pick up the books. <laughs> <laughs> Do you?
0: I haven't for these movies, but in general, if there's like a bigger theatrical release and I'm interested in seeing the movie, I'll try to read the book first, but that doesn't mm. always work. and. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Sometimes the movie falls way short or Yeah. Sometimes it's even I even like to watch the movie first and then read the books yes. and then I have the characters in my head so there's no mismatch of who's in my head and who's on <laughs> screen. <Hell yeah. laughs>
2: I prefer to watch it first and then read it because mm-hmm. when I when I watch the movie I'm rarely ever disappointed reading the book. But yes. when I read the book yeah. first, I'm almost always disappointed when I watch it after. Yeah. yeah,
3: for sure. I feel like if you read the book after, you, you learn more.
2: Yeah. You like get fill more in depth. the blanks. It's like stuff. a director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's
0: true. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I, I watched the movie of Gone Girl after I read it. And I was like, this is a brilliant film, but there's so much that's overly condensed here. Mm. And it just yeah. bugged me.
2: I think oh, yeah. the one my mom and I always talk about is we both, this is I'm going to date myself so long ago, read uh, The Horse Whisper mm-hmm. And then I read that book probably two or three times and then watched the movie. And I was like, it's got Robert Redford. It's got to be great. And it was just not good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now I heard other people who had not read the book say, oh, I liked the movie. But anyone who I've ever talked to who read the book first was like, "Oh, that was the most disappointing film I've seen in a long time. Oh. <laughs> you know? And um Circle of Friends was that way. The movie was okay. Mm-hmm. It was good. But I mean, if you've if you ever watched the movie it was like, "Yeah, it was all right. Read the book. The book is great. <laughs> you know, So I mean, there's just been a lot of so I think just because of my own personal <laughs> history, <laughs> I prefer to get the, the visual one out of the way first before I read.
3: Yeah. yeah. I'm not a big Hallmark viewer usually.
2: but uh, <laughs> He catches it with me sometimes. <laughs> but I do like
3: the mystery ones. Uh, one thing I like that Hallmark does, I think is really smart, that I wish other shows would do more, is I like how they don't just have like a traditional TV series. They have these sort of like movie series. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, they, they've had it since, at least the first time I noticed it was the...
2: Oh, Mystery man.
3: Woman. Yeah, Mystery Woman. With ones. Kelly
2: Martin. I yeah. Think.
3: yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a really brilliant way of kind of doing That's what both. I love. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a hybrid kind of thing. It's, an, it's a
3: nice hybrid. So, I do like because it's series and they're same characters, I do get, you know, kind of drawn into some of the subplots and stuff. And then their mysteries are just... Are,
2: but then, yeah, it's like a movie theatrical mystery, too. You know, mm-hmm. so you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I grew up reading Agatha Christie as a kid and and watching murder She Wrote. So mm. it's kind of, you know, right up my alley. I didn't realize that there was... When I was younger, I didn't realize there was entertainment out there that wasn't either, like, sci-fi, fantasy genre, or mysteries. So I was like, <laughs> those are your only two options, right? <laughs> I didn't know there was other stuff. Well, there were soap operas, you right? Yeah. I mean, there was... There used to be a lot of soap operas around. And so those are your three. I didn't realize there was anything else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think cozy mystery is an interesting genre because it like that almost sounds like an oxymoron. Like, how can something be cozy when it's also probably involving a murder?
2: Oh, there's always (laughs) at least one murder, right? I mean, it's like, but if you noticed, the person getting murdered is always either really unlikable. Mm hmm and And like a lot of times it's it's usually it's someone pretty unlikable, and it's kind of like, you know we wouldn't really care that someone killed him except my best friend's been framed for the murder, you know <laughs> right? so you know it's it's always that kind of thing, so no one's really that upset or even if they weren't unlikable, you didn't know them. you just briefly met them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you briefly see them and then they die, and they're like, "Oh, how sad, but you're not emotionally invested, yeah, but also a lot of times you can watch it and so often like the least likable person is either the one that's gonna get it or they're gonna be the top suspect. <laughs> yeah.
3: It makes it easier. And it's not it's not uh gruesome.
2: No, it's never yeah. gruesome, you know. I mean you they find a body and, and they look perfectly fine. <laughs> or there's like <laughs> there's a joke on a commercial like on for murder she wrote, they're like, This person has a whole tablespoon of ketchup on their chest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> then they go, oh, no, and they're like, want some cookies? Some cookies.
2: No, and no one ever tries to do CPR, which always cracks me up.
3: Oh, no one does. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: don't want to touch the body. That's that's getting into the gruesome territory. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I've noticed too. It's, it's like usually, you could try. It's usually off screen that they you don't actually see the murder happen, or or it's not no, even on the page of the
0: book.
1: No.
2: Yeah.
3: I want to do a parody film where they're like. He's dead. And he's like, no, I'm just badly injured. Get help. And he's, no, he's, he's dead. dead. He, he did it. trying a
2: chalk outline around the guy while he's still breathing. Although, you know, they don't actually do chalk outlines. And out they're
3: lines. like, <laughs> I, we need to investigate right now. He's like, well, I really hated the guy. And he's like, I'm
2: still alive. I'm I can hear you. There. I can hear you. It's like, I know. Was it Monty Python and the Holy Girl? Out with the dead, but I'm still alive. He'll be dead by next Thursday. (laughs) Can't you take him now? (laughs) I feel better. (laughs) I feel better. No, you don't. You're dying. Shut up. Oh, that movie's the gift that keeps on giving.
1: (laughs) Marks, when you were still in the Seton Hill program, was Cozy Mystery ever one of your, like, the group read that all the people had to read? Did you have one of those?
3: Oh, like one of the rigs or readings in genre, or the the
1: the common read that everyone had to
3: read. Oh, uh, we did mysteries. I don't know if we we didn't do a cozy. Now. Okay,
2: there was a psychological thriller kind of thing. Yeah, it was oh, all thrill.
3: Yeah. I think there are thrillers. Okay. Well, there was uh, a why a mystery. Oh, one of yeah. us is lying. That was interesting, and uh, for unreliable narrator, different. That that
2: yeah, name? unreliable narrator and different POVs.
3: And then uh, more recently, this other thriller. Patient, silent patient. So that was oh. more of a psychological thriller, yeah. kind of like Gone Girl in some
2: ways. So there wasn't really like style. a more cozy or something.
1: We had it. We had a cozy, didn't we, Carrie? I feel like there was at least one.
0: Ooh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe, maybe we'll cut that out because I can't okay. remember what it
1: was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. There was a cozy mystery that I read not too long ago. Yes, Nancy Warren's the Vampire Knitting Club. That's a nice cozy mystery series with a blend of supernatural and traditional cozy mystery and there's some cats and stuff. So.
2: I saw that one. I haven't read it yet, but that's in like my list that I was going to start reading.
1: Yes, it's very cute. I totally recommend it.
2: Thank you. <laughs> <You're Yay! welcome. laughs> do you want to talk
0: a little bit about your background in film cuz I I looked into it a little bit. I'm sorry. I do... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, don't be have sorry. Your, I don't have your um, career memorized, but uh, <laughs> would you ever want to do like a mystery series or movie or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't be against that. <laughs> but, uh,
2: I think my days of that's pretty much over. But um <laughs> no.
3: yeah, I've done a lot. I've done. I was big in a web series for a while, mm-hmm. and so I we we co-created a web series called Reality on Demand that was like a. Where a bunch of people get stuck into a uh, virtual reality world that goes wrong, of course, and uh, and they go through different TV shows, and so they're parodies of, of TV shows too.
2: And technically, yeah. there was a mystery. In so I there. guess
3: Wandavision's kind of still in that idea, yeah. now, but that was years before.
2: <laughs> it was like, well, there and there was an underlying mystery about how did this happen? But we only got through season one, yeah. Okay. So it never got we never got deep into the mystery. Yeah,
3: we didn't learn that you were the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it was all me
3: and there's a lot of different par- like we have characters the parody supernatural like the they're the cult brothers instead of the winchester the brothers cult, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then we had
2: um like a Grey's anatomy type thing and the cult brothers
3: yeah there's a lot of jokes and I other stuff i can't remember
2: there. what else we had now
3: there's some Gosh. kind of walking dead and there's oh
2: yeah there's zombies yeah. Before that, I. Hey, way before Walking Dead had that whole thing with the bat, I had a bloody bat going after zombies now. (laughs) Yeah. There's posters of me with a bloody bat. I'm just Uh, saying. This was. I'm not saying they ripped me off or anything. <laughs> I'm just saying that I was first. We
3: didn't have uh, barbed, barbed wire, wire around it. it then. I
2: did want to put nails, but I didn't, but it was my bat. So I didn't actually, we didn't have a budget <laughs> enough to buy another bat. And I didn't actually want to damage my bat.
3: <laughs> so I've worked a lot indie film. I've, I've also worked camera and sound and stuff for other bigger productions and also, a lot of reality TV shows when I was really freelance a lot, and you know I've I've worked on a little bit of everything in different different ways. So I love film, but it is difficult, especially when you're doing indie film, especially if you're the producer and director and stuff. It's difficult to get the budget and put everything mm-hmm. together and stuff. It's a lot and you're of work. So
2: dependent on so many other people.
3: Yeah. So I, I just there's stories I wanted to tell that that were a little bit too high budget. And uh, and so I guess I was like, you know, why don't I just tell these in, in books, and then I can always adapt or, or do something from there if I want to with the stories. And so I thought, uh, and I've always wanted to write in the novels and stuff. So I, that's why I decided to go to Seton Hill and learn how to do that. So
2: yeah.
3: you know, so it's interesting trying to transition
2: <laughs> from to script writing from
3: script writing to to writing books because it's just a lot of similar stuff, but there's also a lot of different stuff. Wow, it's different. Yeah, so it's uh it was, it was So his
2: earlier draft, like the very beginning of writing was like a hybrid between a script and prose, you know. It's like <laughs> this isn't gonna work. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: But I do think script writing helped me a lot with yeah. pacing and character development dialogue and, and stuff like that a lot. What it didn't help me with is description, you know. Mm-hmm. 'Cause I it taught me to be less descriptive about the, the about everything in scripts. Which yeah. I needed to reverse that in books, because yeah. in scripts it's it's sort of like I mean you could do it some, you definitely set tone or atmosphere, but but you can't do it too much because you're going to annoy
2: the director and the art yeah. director. <laughs> yeah,
3: but they want control over certain things, and if you throw too much stuff at them, it's just, it gets you know everything's a prop if it's mentioned right, and mm-hmm. and uh, it can get expensive and it and binds their their creative you know voices too instead of unnecessarily so. Mm-hmm. So I had to get out of that habit for when they're writing books again, to get more description and I had to get into people's heads, but that wasn't too hard getting into characters heads because of the dialogue and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and, and that was the coolest part, right? Writing for novels versus scripts, you can get in characters heads a lot more, mm-hmm. which is great, which I think as a writer helped me understand the characters to another level than I necessarily did in script writing because I wasn't doing. So when I'm doing a novel and stuff, especially when their are head, their are POV, I have to do all this analysis work, you know, about the character and everything that an actor would do for their character, you know, to try to bring depth and background and stuff to their character and make sense of, you know, what's happening in the scenes for the, from their perspective. And and in scripts, you don't necessarily have to do that. I mean, you should, but
2: it's... well, but also with scripts, if you you know, our experience with casting was sometimes you know we we write the script and we'd have this idea about this character. And someone would come in and do – and they would look a little different than you had thought. And they'd do a slightly different interpretation of that character than you had originally planned. But they nail it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And you go, ooh, you know what? That's what we needed. You know? And Mm -hmm. so then you just kind of – you make a few tweaks and changes and you let them run with it. And so there's that collaboration, that collaborative effort, right? Mm -hmm. But – you know, so the individual actors have their job of interpreting that character, but when you're writing it in a novel, you're doing the prose writing. You have to do that yourself.
3: Yeah, yeah. You, you cast it in your head, right? And mm-hmm. when there's script, you 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 got to be very careful. You don't cast it so heavy that
2: you know those happy little accidents can't happen. You,
3: know, you want you want the characters to bring stuff to life, and you know you don't want to. You don't want to write a part that's just for Jim Carrey because you can't get Jim Carrey. It's
2: gonna,
3: <laughs> yeah, everybody's gonna be just imitating Jim Carrey, right?
1: Yeah. You don't want that <laughs> imitation going
2: throughout the whole
3: thing? Yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a different thing. Like a script is not a complete work, really, and uh, it's a it's the foundation, the blueprint. But but a novel is the complete work. Oh, but so. the
2: script did teach you one important thing: oh, you know, always read your dialogue out loud. You know, and mm-hmm. so often when people are writing a novel or a short story, they do this dialogue and they don't read it aloud. But then somebody's reading it aloud and they're stumbling over like this is clunky dialogue. Like nobody talks like this, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you realize, oh, I should have read that out <laughs> yeah. You know, but script writing, you or you're, it's always getting read aloud. So but it's helpful.
3: You should always do, or we always try to do even no matter what the budget was, it's do a cold read and stuff, yeah. a table read. And that was always helpful in trying to see like whenever stuff was a little clumsy. <laughs>
2: there were notes and, and, getting made. <laughs> and, and sometimes
3: it's just it's you know, something we just find but a certain actor mm-hmm. you know, how they deliver their lines and stuff, it doesn't work. And and if you can just tweak that to the speech pattern yeah. that that actor or speaks. Or they
2: would throw something in that worked great. Mm-hmm. And you were like, Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know.
3: <laughs> It'll happen a lot. If they're really into their characters, they'll come up with all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So
0: that's really interesting. Yeah, I well, I, I was listening to one of your older episodes with Garrett Robinson, mm-hmm. and he was talking about sort of the same thing. Like He had this idea for a series, but he couldn't get it off the ground, so he, he took that world that he wrote the series about and started a novel. And one of the great things about writing novels is that you don't have to answer to anyone else. You can just do it on your own time, in your own head. But at the same time, it gets really lonely and there is something great about the collaborative give and take that you can get from other people. So
2: that's really interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're in the midst of, of filming something, you know, I mean, it's 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 kind of like a drug. You get kind of addicted to it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, you get these hot... I mean, you're not sleeping for days on end and, and, you know, you're working 14-hour days and you're not sleeping and you're just like, you know, so you get a little loopy anyway. But... <laughs> But it, it's just like this kind of creative high kind of you get on too. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely extroverted. So <laughs> like you just throw me in the middle of like a handful of people and you just keep our energy up. I'll go for days anyway, but <laughs> to like collapse. But yeah, so I mean, it, it certainly has its strengths.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, like I, so I'm finding, I'm trying to find ways to work with other authors and collaborative projects too. Because I do miss that collaborative mm-hmm. element. Writing my just my own novels isn't the same. Even if you're talking to your editor and doing that back and forth, it just isn't the same as. as a it's real. a little
2: easier. Marx is more introverted, and so um, I mean he's less than he used to be, but I mean he's he's a lot more introverted, and he it, he it really charges him up to like go. He goes and sits in the corner and writes for three hours, and he's like wired from it. And- <laughs> You know, I go and I do the same thing, writing or editing for three hours, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to die. (laughs) I mean, not that I don't enjoy it, but, like, I got to go do something. I got to go talk to somebody, and I got to get up. I got to go jog around the house or something, because this is going to kill me.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I imagine there's some filmmakers that don't want to go into novel writing because they're really more extroverted. They really want... always
2: torture being all by yourself all the time (laughs) you
3: know. but i you know i i guess what i want to do is tell stories in my head that are a lot more expensive than i can necessarily do Mm -hmm, and -hmm. then and then the thing is is like you know the urban fantasy series i'm coming out with it's like hey you know if uh if i decide if i want to i can write a script i can you know pitch it and stuff Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't have any creative control and they just option it and and they do something terrible with it, then it's it's fine. I still have you my still world have look, in yeah. the books and to yeah. play with. So. Well, and
2: thirty times. Right, I'm see. sure
3: that's what Stephen King thinks. Every yeah. time a bad.
2: <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> well, I know there's like one time Marx was like. Should I do this or that, you know, like on his book? I'm like, what do you care? You're not paying for it. <laughs> go for it. You know? it's not going to cost us a penny? Go for it. Make it big. Make it nuts, you know? It's not going to cost us one red cent to do to go big? Yeah, I can go really
3: crazy. With it. And in scripts, I go pretty crazy sometimes. There's, we've done some we pretty We pulled some stuff. stuff
2: off that I can't believe we pulled yeah, off. Yeah, I mean. <laughs>
3: We had like the ground fall into a pit of like from hell or we something. Had, and yeah,
2: <laughs> we we filmed it in and around our hometown with everybody.
3: Reality on demand. Is what
2: Reality doing. on demand. Everybody that worked on it volunteered. Locations were volunteered. I mean, you name it, and we were. Oh, where were we? In L.A., I think it was. And people were asking, so what studio did you have backing that? And we're like, Pfft, not like I literally. Would go to the food co-op and find out what was on sale to buy in bulk so I could cook the food in bulk from the sale food (laughs) and on clearance food from the co-op. Like, you know, I spent five bucks for this whole meal for everybody and I cooked the food and I was uh, producing it and I was starring in it (laughs) and I was working a 40 hour a week job.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: And so that's why I didn't sleep. (laughs) And, you know, like, it was literally pocket change. I mean, we probably spent 50 bucks making this. Stuff.
3: Well, maybe a few bucks more. Okay, yeah.
2: maybe a few bucks more. But, and we already,
3: we already had a camera equipment. Yeah, I mean, so. we,
2: we didn't have to buy equipment specifically for that. We'd already, you know, acquired things. From a short film mm-hmm. I
3: did before that. Right. Stuff. Yeah. Okay.
2: But, you know, we had fantastic special effects and we had some great acting. We just had all kinds of stuff. And, and you know, I mean, I can't believe we pulled it off. But yeah, I mean, that's what I said. You know, I was working full time. I was doing that. And, um, you know, the joke was they said I needed to make a T-shirt. I said, I think I'm, I'm running on like, I was running on prednisone and caffeine and no sleep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was like, I haven't slept in three days, but by gosh, we got our filming in. <laughs> well, that's awesome.
3: It is a cool team you know, thing to do. I've done some forty eight hour films with people before and those were yeah. fun and
2: he's done that. I haven't, but he's always got great stories when he comes back.
3: Oh yeah. There's <laughs> always great stories in films, if anything. But yeah, but so now, you know, I'm still fresh in this author biz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna my goal right now is to be more like hybrid. I'm gonna do indie publishing with a little bit of traditional. I don't know if you both of you just do traditional or you do a hybrid?
1: We we both do hybrid, yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay.
1: I have not done as much indie as Carrie has, but.
2: That's going to be mostly what we do. Yeah. We're okay, going to be cool. mostly indie.
3: We probably will be. And that's because it's like, I know a lot of people get intimidated by, you know, the extra work you have to do outside of the writing. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's just like a film. I know I got to get, just like I would get a video, you know, editor. I'm going to get a, you know, get editor, proofreader and stuff. Well, like
2: that. And, and you published a book traditionally. And you still had to do all your own promotion. You had, the only thing you didn't do was hire your own artist and hire your own editor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you did it literally everything else and they got. Ninety percent of the profit, and you so, did all the work.
3: So, anyway, so my publisher was very good.
2: Yes, he was. no, I'm not saying anything bad about him. I'm just saying that's the industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: That, that is the publisher is a very good publisher. I mean, it but was uh, standard.
2: There wasn't anything kinky. Yeah. It was a, it was. They were nice people, and it was a perfectly but legitimate. That, but as you know, in traditional
3: publishing. publishing, usually you're getting ten or maybe more percentage based on genre and your popularity, but. But ten percent is not uncommon, right? I mean, it wasn't
2: anything bad. That's or just whatever. How it is. Yeah, yeah,
3: ten to fifteen or something like that. And then you know, it's and that's how the whole traditional model is, which is fine. I think if you're very introverted and you only have, you just really just want to write, you know, and you just can't even. It's just it's not in your skill set, and you don't want to even try to try to figure out the other stuff. Then I can see why traditional would be yeah. very important. But
2: Mark said you have a very entrepreneurial spirit about you, you know, and and. You could juggle all those things. I mean, it's not that you can. You you kind of enjoy it, <laughs>
3: you know. Yeah. Well, I do enjoy it. Like right now, I'm putting together LLC and putting together website stuff and all that stuff. And he gets really
2: excited about it. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, it'd be ridiculous to give that up.
3: Yeah, You're, I get excited about that. So yeah, I mean,
2: to That's give it up for for less money and less control when you enjoy doing it. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I feel that traditional publishers are going to need to morph a little bit. Yeah. And and change the times a little bit to offer better. I think they need to offer better percentages to their authors, for example, especially for ebooks And they need to offer other services.
2: And better control, maybe, that kind of thing.
3: Well, you know, I think some traditional are pretty good about control and letting you get your vision. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the publisher or an editor, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they need to help you more with the marketing and, you know, mm-hmm. they, all that stuff. Like, I feel like sometimes, sometimes traditional to me as an outsider, you know, I'm, I, but... Some of the big ones, maybe, when they're looking at new people, I think they just are like, you know, I'll keep, I'll, we'll throw a few bucks at your book. We'll see if it goes somewhere. If it doesn't, like, like Fox did with everything after X-Files, right? Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't hit with that first book, yeah, we don't want you anymore. Mm-hmm. And then and then that can leave a stain on you. And, and then maybe none of the other publishers want you anymore either, you know? And, really? uh, and, and that's kind of uh, sad. And for most people, if that happens... They will just usually give up because it's just kind of like, oh, I guess I'm no good. you know. Yeah.
2: And my feeling on this subject is with the way things are now, with the ability to have good, legitimate, independent publishing is you don't need to get someone's permission. If you got something you want to write and you want to sell and you got something to say, you don't need some some suit in New York. You know, who, who <laughs> hasn't read a good book in ten years? Telling you whether or not you have the right to publish your book. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Hack of me and cheese.
3: We do not uh, disclaim. We do not <laughs> hate people with cheese.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean.
3: But yeah, I just someone
2: who may be completely out of touch with who you are, yeah. where yeah. you come from, and your voice and what you're trying to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Decide whether or not you have the right to put a book out. Yeah. Mm-hmm
3: but yeah. i I also think, like for me, in my writing, at least really some of it it's very I don't want to say it's outside the box, but it's not trying it to of some of it is very much some of it I wouldn't say that necessarily, but some of it's not very like like the urban fantasy series, for example it's it's an ensemble kind of cast thing rather than a single p o v like most urban fantasy stories are, so it makes it hard to pitch.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Because they're all used to, the, like, you know... I mean, most urban fantasy is named after your lead character. I can't do that. <laughs> it, it would be very long. <laughs> but... Uh, okay,
2: Maria, Julia, yeah, da da, da. You know, Yeah.
3: <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but I... Because of that, and then because urban fantasy for traditional authors... Or traditional, excuse me, publishers right now, they think it's too... That it's too hard for them to make money off of it. And so they're very reluctant to do urban fantasy right now. Yeah. Or they're less likely to pick up urban fantasy Unless you just really blow them away Well,
2: and if you pitched it, they'd say, this is great But we want you to make it all from this one character Make him the main character and all from his POV mm-hmm. Because, you know, like They they would want you to make it like, you know The the Andy file Like the Dresden files you, They wouldn't want you to go the Andy, Billy, Katie, Donna files yeah. you know? <laughs> I, mean, you know, I want the
3: Andy files Because I, I just got Andy, Andy Griffith in my head <laughs> I want an Andy Griffith urban fantasy series
0: oh my gosh that would be so cute
3: they go out fishing and there's a Loch Ness monster yeah
2: so just yeah. What I was thinking they go fishing to the watering hole and there's like something there and they got to take care of poor Opie
0: <laughs>
3: yeah but so I gotta go in knowing that it's a tough sell because it's urban fantasy and because it's not uh it didn't fit the t- typical pattern Mm-hmm. which which sometimes people want that, right? They don't want the typical pattern, but it's still hard to pitch it, like to try to get an agent to really get the grip of how it's different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like, I, I just, I'm like, I don't really want to spend, you know, it could be a year trying to get an agent to pay right. attention to this. And then it could be another year or more mm-hmm. to get a publisher. And and I know me creatively, at least with films and stuff, you know, I if it things drag too long, lose I mind. lose creative energy. I either just find other distractions or I, or I just lose interest in the project and stuff. So I don't want that to happen. So Mm -hmm. anyway,
1: cool. Well, where can people find your podcast and give us a little bit of stuff about that? Uh, Mm
2: Genretainment.com. Okay.
3: It's also right now. You can also go to MarksPile.com and find it in a sub-page.
2: That's M-A-R-X and then P is in Peter, Y-L-E.com. Yeah. Okay. I just figured it helps. Yeah. You never know with names. Oh, yeah. Tame- <laughs> He's looking at me like I'm crazy. He's no. like, well, we know how to spell your name.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah. John Entertainment will take you there right now. I am making another separate page. The reason why there's only all of Marks piles is because Russian hackers got me. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so That's then sweet. I just got too busy to try to rebuild multiple pages it's
2: almost like you're working on your mfa while holding down a full-time job or something (laughs) and and putting together a film festival i
3: know oh Oh, yeah i did that two two years in in a row two years in a row yeah
2: (sighs) very cool so it's not like you had
0: anything going yeah yeah not busy at all
1: (laughs) we will we will link to that in our show notes and do you have any other social media that you want to share with anybody is or is the the main website the primary place to find you
3: That's a good place. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Marks, M-R-M-A-R-X. Yeah. So I tweet from time to time.
2: He's one of those twits.
3: (laughs) Julie hates all social media. I'm pretty pretty much anti-social
2: media. (laughs) So that's why I joke. He he jokes and calls me like old and a Luddite or something. And I just say he's one of those twits. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: works. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank well, you awesome. thank you oh carrie do you yeah. want to go ahead and do a wrap up I, no
0: i was just gonna say thank you to them for being on <laughs> no thank you no, for thank having you. us
2: for are putting up with us, whichever it is
0: <laughs> disclaimer we don't hate
3: people's suits
2: <laughs> no, you actually, to, for the record mr marks here looks very nice in a suit <laughs>
3: yes yes <laughs>
2: I'm just saying. He looks real good in a suit.
3: I'm not wearing a suit He's right now. He's not wearing a
2: suit right now. We're in that pajamas little, right now. That would be a little overkill for a podcast. I guess we should have told him we dressed up. Yes. <laughs> Tolene
3: suits, you know, we're going to go.
2: After the year 2020, no one expects that. No. No. <laughs> exactly.
1: That was a great talk. Thank you again to Marks and Julie. And we are going to be on
0: an upcoming episode of their podcast, too. So we will let you know when that happens. But next week, we'll be bringing you some more great pop culture stuff, as always. And we have some fun special guests for upcoming episodes. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And you can find us together on Twitter at Paws Podcast. If you'd like to email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy and safe, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop.